classic 80s metal. Symphonic death metal opera. But I've got to be in the mood to listen to Black Sabbath. Many of our listeners weren't even born then. Back for time, it was very progressive. I can see there are thrash elements. You are a metal paradox. A stunning vision of death metal. I would listen to it over and over and over again today. It just seems so dated. I hear this more as operatic and goth. Florianson will surpass Halpert as the iconic heavy metal singer. You're listening to The Great Metal Debate Podcast. It is time. The Great Metal Debate Podcast is back. This is your co-host, Gone Thog, coming to you live from my dark lair of epic, symphonic, and melodic death metal majesty. Thank you, listeners, metal fans of all ages, eras, and genres, for being with us today. As always, I'm joined by my podcast partner, Brian. I really like your epic lair of darkness and magic, otherwise known as Morgantown. Hey, Morgantown, Kentucky has a lot of gothic darkness. You know, I didn't see a lot of gothic darkness. I saw a Sonic and I saw a McDonald's, but maybe I wasn't looking in the right place. It's the most melodic death metal McDonald's in all of Western Kentucky. (laughs) Ronald likes his symphonic metal and operatic singing. Okay. Hey, you know those guys from Max Sabbath? (laughs) Where do you think they got their start? Morgantown. That's right. Okay, excellent. Well, man, Gonthog, you have had quite the busy week. You threw up another great interview. You went to a couple of concerts. You know, why don't you share with the fans exactly what happened to you the first two nights of this week? Man, I had a great time, Brian, getting to go see Nightwish, Sabaton, and Delane on back-to-back evenings. This is the first time in over a decade that I've gone to concerts and back-to-back and. By the second evening, I was struggling. You were struggling? Why were you struggling, dude? Standing there, especially during Nightwish's set, after going through the concert Monday and everything that happened that day, yeah. getting home late after 2 o'clock Tuesday morning, uh-huh. trying to sleep in. But honestly, man, I was so stoked after that show and everything that happened that I really didn't get but a couple hours of sleep. Then driving on to Louisville for the Nightwish show that evening, standing in line for hours, and then standing for the opening bands. And then by the time I got to Nightwish, the small of my back was aching. Those are wonderful problems to have. There was this dude in the crowd next to me. Uh I never caught his name, but uh, I'm going to call him middle-aged military dude. (laughs) Now, this dude, he had a couple of buddies who were uh, younger than him. Yeah. They had done the meet and greet, so they were right up front. And of course, when I got, I didn't do that. I didn't pay for that. And when I got in, you know, I rushed to the front to get as close to the barriers I could. And, as you often do. Uh, as middle-aged military dude was there, and he had six Budweiser's in his arms. And he, he <laughs> set them down. I was like, dude, that takes up a space next to the stage. Uh-oh. But he just started pounding them. He was going to show you by God. I was like, this guy seems like a jagoff. But actually, he ended up being a nice guy, and, and we we talked a bit. And 
at one point, I guess it was at the end of Sabaton. I, yeah. I kind of, I kind of leaned forward, holding my back, and he tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, "Dude, are you doing all right?" I'm like, "Man, I'm, I'm flagging here. Uh, I, maybe I'm getting too old for this." And he's like, "How old do you think I am?" Uh-huh. He's 51. Excellent. He's been pounding these Budweisers. And pumping his fist, and I'm like, I am ashamed. That is the dude you want to stand next to at the concert. No doubt. So I let middle-aged military guy be my drill instructor <laughs> who urged me on and got me through all of Nightwish that second evening. I wouldn't have made it through except for him. And if you're out there listening, middle-aged military guy, I salute you. Thank you for your encouragement. Dude, you know, I've heard in life that it's important to have a mentor, and I think it's great that you found a drill instructor at the concert, 51 years old, pounding the buds, and leading you on, man. That is awesome. It was exactly what I needed. You you might even say it was divinely uh, intended. See, I told you that stuff happens. So this, what night was this? Was this the first night or the second This was Tuesday. Tuesday. This was the second night. Again, I... I was pretty tired at the end of that, but it was a great two days, man, and it started out with that show in Nashville, and as you've alluded to, we've already posted my interview with Charlotte Wessels of Delane. I really enjoyed getting to talk with her, but at the beginning of the day, I had expected Uh to interview both her and with one of the members of Sabaton. Excellent. And so what happened? We only got the one so far. That's all you're going to get because that didn't work out. But suffice to say, you know, at the beginning of that day, I was making some calls and doing some texting to set all that up. Both artists wanted to meet with me after the venue had opened. They wanted me to come in and then meet with me, not before the show. Right, right. So I was going to meet with Sabaton during the lane set, meet with Charlotte from the lane during Sabaton set. I could hear Sabaton in the background of the interview. Yes, I could barely hear myself or Charlotte speak. (laughs) But the upshot of that, Brian, was typically I I take my gear, which is a recorder and a microphone, a pretty big microphone, with me to the venue. I meet with the artist beforehand. This time, though, I realized I needed to get my mic and voice recorder into the venue through security. Uh Uh-oh. I was wearing some shorts I don't know how it looked to the outside world when I had that microphone in my pants, but I've got an idea what it looked like. It, it, I be, no, you know, and it it wasn't pretty. So I get up in line, and then security people come through, and they're like, "Everybody, empty your pockets." <laughs> of course. Well, they're not going to let me in, right. but, and I'm like, I'm tell that dude, I'm like, yeah, I got a lot of stuff in here. He's like. We're looking for drugs and weapons. (laughs) He couldn't have given a rip if I had a microphone or a a whole recording studio in my pants. (laughs) He he was looking for drugs and weapons. He he didn't give my microphone a second look, man. Well, you know, there's a way to smuggle stuff in from here on out. That was all good. So fast forward after Delane said, I text Charlotte and... She tells me to come meet her to stage left, and she's going to get me in. And we go inside to the green room. I, again, had gone through the lane set, and actually Charlotte had texted me and said, hey, I'm going to be a little late, maybe between Sabaton set and Nightwish. So even though I wasn't up next to the barrier, I was in the crowd and jumping around. Right. 
So I go to do the interview with Charlotte, pull out the microphone. It's in about six pieces. <laughs> you don't know your own strength. <laughs> to pull that out and, you know, have my microphone dangling and destroyed wasn't the best way to start off that interview. Your penis beat up your microphone. I love it. <laughs> the most embarrassing thing was she was like, oh, you, you can use my phone to record. I'm like, no, you don't have to do that. So, well, that's but we did, awesome. That's cool. Yeah, she was very cool. And I would encourage all of the fans to listen to that interview, a really good one. I asked some, some interesting follow-up questions from our interview back in October, and I thought she gave some good answers. Yeah, it's a good interview. That just sounds like fun, dude. Yeah, it was a good time, man. And all three bands were so strong. I had not seen Nightwish before, had seen Delane and Sabaton. I knew what I was getting with those. Nightwish, they met and surpassed my expectations. I said it before, Brian, but Floriansen will surpass Rob Halford as the iconic heavy metal singer. Yeah, man, I hope you get struck by lightning. I want to talk about Floor because I read from one of the friends of the podcast, uh, uh, Mark from Louisville. He had something on there about how at the meet and greet, all of the Nightwish uh, members were there except for Floor, and she gave the excuse that she wasn't feeling well. You know, we've talked about this before. Floor has, in the past, had some criticism as being a little bit aloof and a little bit of non-fan-friendly, if you will. Um, you know, what did you think of her not making it to something like that? I mean, I take at face value the explanation, which was that she wasn't feeling well. And I can tell you, the show in Nashville was a freaking sauna. Uh-huh. Uh, it was so hot. The be- Nightwish, toward the end, was just taking their bottles of water that they have on stage and throwing them out to people in the crowd because it was so hot. Really? It's no surprise that the singer wasn't struggling and indeed floor did struggle somewhat that next evening when she came out on the stage yeah and and i had heard that she hadn't made the meet and greet Uh because she wasn't feeling well when she came out on the stage in louisville you could tell she didn't look good Uh and i thought she struggled the first part but after about the fifth song she gave the thumbs up and she began i thought to to really build an energy and and finish strong I refute your claim that Floor will surpass Rob as the uh, penultimate heavy metal singer. I said the iconic. Yeah, I'll use the word penultimate because he is the penultimate heavy metal no, singer. No, by, by iconic, I, I mean something very particular because I'm not saying that Rob Halford is a better singer than someone like, say, Bruce Dickinson. If someone wants to say that Bruce Dickinson or Ronnie James Dio is a superior singer to Rob, I'm not making that claim. The claim I'm making is the most iconic. What I mean is, when someone thinks of a metal singer, they think of that Rob Halford character, the guy who's dressed in the leather and studs, short hair, who's just belting it out. Right. I'm claiming that in 20 years, when people think of the iconic heavy metal singer, they will think of Floor Jansen. Yeah, I would put that to any poll, any test, anywhere you want to put that in the field, dude. It's not something that can be tested by a poll. It's something that we will see in a decade. Yeah, I I, I stand by it. I, I think that in a decade plus, 
when you ask people what they think of when they think of heavy metal singers, Floor is what they will describe. I think in a decade plus, you're not going to like Floor anymore. You're going to find a replacement and say that the new person will be the iconic heavy metal singer. That has nothing to do with my claim. I'm claiming that's what heavy metal fans will think of. That She will be the iconic heavy metal and, singer. And I disagree, dude. I think that your enemy is nostalgia. You hate it. You can't stand it. You're going to do everything you can to avoid it. It's funny you say that, Brian, because I recently posted to my Facebook page a link to a study about music and when people stop listening to music. And the study claims that people 33 years of age or older do not listen to new music, that that's the age where they stop discovering and they basically just keep listening to the same recycled generic crap that they've listened to their whole lives. So who did this study? Uh, Spotify did it. Oh, Spotify did it. So so they're saying that, that, that uh, people don't listen to new music after the age of 33. That's correct, yes. That that's the point at which they basically just call it in and say, well, I, I like what I like, I know what I like, and I'm going to keep listening to what I like. And let me get this straight. You you said, you used the words, they listen to the same old stale crap they've always listened to. Did I, did I quote you fairly there? That's correct. So, Iron Maiden and Priest, and to some extent, Testament, uh, Iced Earth, King, King Diamond, Dio, all those bands are stale crap. Am I quoting you fairly there? If all you're doing is listening to Priest from back when you were 33 years of age or younger to Maiden when you were 33 years of age or younger, if you set some arbitrary point at which I liked what I liked up to this point, uh-huh. and now I'm not going to progress any, I'm not going to continue that work of comparing and contrasting and critiquing music, then yes, absolutely. You know what I didn't hear in your explanation there? And if you're going to continue listening to music, why must it be compare, contrast, and critique? Why the hell does it have to be such an intense experience that you can't enjoy it? Who said something about not enjoying anything? All you talk about is comparing music. I mean, you compare everything that you listen to to everything that I love and say that it's all stale crap. I'm not saying that I don't listen to new music. I'm saying I still love the shit I loved back when I was 33. I'm just talking about this study, dude. I I didn't say anything about you. I'm just saying the study shows that that people have a tendency to listen to and be open to new music up to a certain point, about age 33. And then after that, they begin to close off and, and idealize the music, basically look uncritically at the music that they listen to before that. Oh, so this has nothing to do with the debate. You're just showing me an article you happen to read, right? Exactly. Yeah, you're a damn liar. You know it, man. You brought this up as another passive-aggressive attack on the music that I love, the music that I still think is the greatest music ever written. Why do you think it's the greatest music ever written, Brian? Because I have listened to a lot of the new stuff. I love some of the new music. I love some of the bands that, that we listen to and we support. I love some of the, the local bands that we support. And still, nothing gets me going like 80s metal. Brian, I hear you say, quote, 
Nothing gets me going. What does getting you going have to do with whether it's good music or well-written or enjoyable or anything? Uh, Getting you going seems to be some strange, subjective criteria that you've created that doesn't have anything to do with anything. You know, I hear you say things like compare and contrast and critique. What does that have to do with anything to do with whether or not you enjoy it or listen to it? What does that have to do with anything, critiquing and comparing and contrasting? If you're going to say such and such music is the best, best implies a critique. Best implies a contrast. Best is better than something else. So yes. that, that, that's what that means. And so I listen to the new music, and although I like it, to me it's not the same. There are, so, so you are contrasting. You just don't want to use that word. Oh, I don't mind using that word, but it's certainly not the way that I listen to music. It's not something I consciously do. I don't want to waste my time thinking, oh, this is not like this or this is not like this. I listen to a song and I go, hey, I like it. I don't like it. Hey, this, I, love, I know you love this right. Hey, this music grabs me by the balls and makes me want to go with it. You know, it does or it doesn't. That's my compare and contrasted critique. And the result of that is you believe that the music from your younger years is much better than the newer music. I have found that to be the case, yes. Which, which fits with this study that says that people basically turn off any open-mindedness to music after age 33. I'm certainly open-minded to new music. I've listened to so much good stuff since we started the podcast. I am more involved in metal now than I ever was almost. And Has your list of top 20 metal albums changed? Is that a requirement of listening to metal? No, I'm just, I'm just, it's just a question. You say, you, you say, oh, I'm, I'm really open to all this. I'm listening to so much new but stuff. Question, I'm just asking the question, question, has has that changed your list of top 20 metal albums? But your question is a push-pull question. You know damn good well that you're going to attack me when I say no. I don't care that I, I'm I like not attacking. the attacking. I just, I just want to, when, when you make these claims about, oh, I'm listening, I'm open-minded now, I, I would just say, Show me how you've been open-minded, because I actually doubt that you have been. Oh, no. Because See, it really hasn't under, changed your... You're going on the supposition that new music is better. You've already decided that new music is better. You have dismissed the old music as nostalgic, and the very definition of that makes it not as good as what you're listening to now. I'm I mean, exactly my the list, opposite. My list of top 20 albums has music from... A variety of decades and, and eras. Yours is you, and you said this pridefully. It'll never change. I don't think it'll ever change. No, I don't. How, how, how can you know? So basically, you're saying I don't know what's coming, but I already know that what I've listened to is better than that. No, I'm saying I don't know what's coming, but it's going to be hard to beat what I've already established as the best music of my life. Because you've already decided that. It has nothing to do with the music itself. You've just said, when I was young, I, I liked that, and it takes me back to this time where I felt young and strong, and now I'm an old codger, and I'm not open to stuff. Get off I, my lawn, kid. I, Get off my lawn. I think it's so funny how you're afraid to grow old and mention anything from your youth. It's like you're holding on desperately to being the new hipster doofus guy at the concert. Guess what? The guy standing on the other side of the metal militia dude was 30 years younger than you. 
and we agree on music that the new music is the best. I think there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I appreciated the trappings of my youth. I've lived through these decades, and I can tell you that the new music is better than the old music. I think you're about as objective as I am on this. I think that you hold on to the new music because you're desperately afraid that it's going to make you part of some sort of hated club of guys that liked the music when they were younger. I like some of that music, but as each year goes by, there's more and more new music, and the, the chance of any particular piece of music being that great goes down. For 30 years, Rob Halford, I believed, was the best singer in metal. I don't now, know how, with Floor Jansen, I know that he is not. I don't know how you can ever claim to have a favorites list, because you know that it will change. Not because it's better, but because it's new. Your definition of favorite is what's coming. Your definition of what's best is yet to be seen, only because it's yet to be seen. You're so afraid oh that you're going to get stopped in the past. Oh Quit projecting on me. You're, what, your definition of what is best is what is in the past. Mine might, or might not be what's in the future, but yours is always what's in the past. Your top 20 albums will always be the same because that's what you decided back when you were younger than 33. Dude, I set the 80s battery on my shoulder and tell the 2010s I dare you to knock it off. And nobody's done it yet. There's lots of great music. There's incredible talent. I think the people that play metal these days are much more musically and technically talented than the musicians from back in the day, as you like to put Yes. But that doesn't necessarily make them better. I would yes. much rather have a straight-up great song played from the heart than some technical, pretentious bullshit that somebody thinks is great just because it's technical and pretentious. And I'd rather have some talented, erstwhile individual who really cares about their music than some whacked-out 80s party monger who just cares about getting laid. Heavy metal is party and fun and rock and roll and metal at the show and party it afterwards. That's what metal no, is. No, that's hard rock. You just described hard rock. Oh, I mean, so let's you're talk about metal for let's the new talk age. about let's talk about a band like Steel Panther. Okay, all right. I saw them with Priest back on this tour in Evansville, as a matter of fact. I remember you talking about that show, and I'll be honest, that was a show that I thought about attending. Of course, I I'd already seen Priest right. a little earlier, but the fact that the band Steel Panther was the opening act was a strong disencouragement for me to go to that show. Well, you know, I, I knew you would like a band like that. I mean, they're they're basically an 80s uh, satire band. You know, their lyrics are over the top. Their music is predominantly 80s. I'll tell you this, they had great musicianship. They were talented players. They played music well. But they sounded like the 80s, and that's what their intention was. Why do you think that was, Brian? Because they played to the typical metal, uh, typical 80s, because they played to the typical 80s metal style. You know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's what they talked about on stage. That's what they preach about on stage. That's what they show in every interview that they ever do. And they take it to the extreme so much that you know it's a joke. 
So it sounds like they read and knew about this study about people not listening to new music after age 33, and they used that as kind of their template for success. We're going to market ourselves to these people who can't get beyond the 80s or over. And you know what's funny about that is, I mean, you know, their first album came out in 2009, Feel the Steel. And since that first album came out, they have so many stars that actually volunteer to be in their videos because people know it's a joke. And they get the joke, and they love the joke. Now, it just so happens that a lot of the people from the 80s kind of like their music. I'll be honest, Brian. I would never go to see a band whose stick is, we're a joke. That that's like the first thing. You mean like McSabbath? I mean, that just makes me... That just makes me sick. You mean like Nick Sabbath, where we talked about on this podcast, where you appreciated what they were doing? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate I never said I would go to a show. No, I wouldn't go to that show. Well, I mean, and I think they would be better off for it, because they only want folks that enjoy that kind of music. They only want folks that appreciate their past. I just think it's a travesty. And I'll be honest, so long as Priest tours with bands like that, I'll never go see them again. Yeah, I can live with you not seeing Priest again because I don't think you appreciate him anymore. I think you would go to see them out of nostalgia. Maybe that's the issue, Brian. I will not go to see Priest out of nostalgia. If Priest is becoming a nostalgia band, I have no interest in them. I'm seeing bands with talented vocalists. You're seeing bands that make you you feel young. When I saw Priest last year, the next weekend I saw another band with a vocalist who blew Rob Halford away. Dude, I would go see Priest above any of the bands you go see. Not because I don't like the bands you go see. I do. I just love Priest. I guess that's the funny thing. I like what Priest used to be. If they've now become a joke and nostalgia band, I have no interest in that. The Priest that I saw in 1990 on the Painkiller Tour uh-huh. was a cutting-edge metal band that was technical with a front person who was on the cutting edge of vocals. If they're now becoming a joke band, a retro band, a nostalgia band, I have no interest in seeing them. Yeah, and I, I think you don't deserve to see Priest anymore because you're not a fan. If they abandon metal, that's on them. So you think Priest is a band in metal? That's your argument. That's not You're my argument. You're basically saying... I love their last album. Argument. That's what you said about their last album. Their last album was a return to the 80s. I freaking love it. An abandonment of metal, exactly. No, that's not abandonment of metal. That's returning to metal. After an album like Nostradamus, they needed it. Nostradamus was a high point in Priest's career, and I'm so... I'm so appreciative of that. I listen to Nostradamus more than almost any other Priest album. I think they would be happy that you don't consider them a metal band anymore. Suffice to say, Gompong, I I love the bands of my youth. And if that makes me nostalgic, I dropped metal for a while. I had other priorities, but I picked it back up, and I'm 49. I don't think you ever abandoned it like I did, and I give you props for that. I've never abandoned the metal faith. I've been right there every year. 
buying the albums, going to the concerts. And that's why I can say that when I saw Rob Halford, he was a shell of himself. And then the next weekend when I saw Diane Van Heersbergen, I was blown away by the majesty and vocals of that amazing metal singer. And I say, we'll just agree to disagree on nostalgia. That sounds good, Brian. Well, that's all the time that we have for this podcast. But before we go, I do want to remind our listeners to check out all our content on the Great Metal Debate SoundCloud and YouTube pages. Or even easier, just subscribe to our RSS feed to get all the great content, podcast debates, artist interviews, and fan casts downloaded directly to your device as soon as it comes out. And you can also join in the debate directly by liking our Facebook page. Well, Gonfog, I've enjoyed the debate as I always do. It's great to prove you wrong on so many levels. Brian, it's good to talk with you and realize that I have been right all along. You have helped to reinforce my smug arrogance in this new millennium of metal. And therein lies the debate. All right, we'll see you next time on The Great Metal Debate. 